Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Brandvold, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. How you doing, Jay? Doing great. Doing great. The uh, the gardener's been here. It'll be quiet. I understand you might have a lawnmower or two behind you. I can hear it. As I long can't as hear you, it. As long as you guys don't hear the... the they all of a sudden, like one minute ago, they decided to start trimming the hedges out here. So, um, Of course. But... If we haven't said it enough recently, the Music Biz Weekly <laughs> podcast is presented by HypeBot, and Hypebot. today we're joined again by Bruce from HypeBot.com. How you doing, Bruce? Yay! Very good. Great to be here. Thank great you. To, great, great to have, have you. you back. So today we kind of thought we'd let you um, put on your other hat, and I don't know, maybe a lot of people don't realize you've got a second hat. You're not just you're not just Mr. HypeBot. <laughs> I have many hats. Many hats. Uh, as not as good do. as your you guys. I, I got to start wearing a hat. I think. But uh, no, yeah. I own a, a, a booking agency, a national booking agency, boutique agency called Skyline Artists, uh, and we represent about it's it's sixty, maybe fifty active artists exclusively in North America. Maybe another twenty we do their worldwide, or of that fifty, twenty we do their worldwide. Got and I have a team of eleven people at the moment that. Uh, runs that end of the business uh, along with, you know, that's where I spend most of my day. So it's, it's a, it's an interesting endeavor and it's a great, it's a, a real mix of artists. It's everything from, you know, like Zoe Keating, who, you know, is an independent sure. uh, indie rock cellist, you know, with a million two Twitter followers. I saw her with Kurt two, Smith. Uh, she's amazing. Yeah, she is amazing. And she's, she's been, um, uh, really good for the DIY indie movement because she's willing to share all of the stats that she makes from Spotify and Apple Music, et cetera. She just puts it all out there and says, here I am, um, you know. Anyway, so it's that's one end of the spectrum and some independent artists uh, to a, a number of classic artists like Roger McGuinn from The Birds and Poco and oh, wow. some 80s stuff like uh, Smithereens and the Motels. So it's a, it's a very eclectic mix. Great stuff. Well, so so why I thought we would have you change hats today is we actually had a listener send us a question a few weeks ago. Um, and, you know, I, I need to be shot because I didn't write down the listener's name. But if you're listening, you're going to know this is your question. They asked um, how a promoter and the band make money at a concert, how and who gets paid. And, you know, and I think that's a valid question question especially for a lot of diy artists who you know right now they might just be used to call walking into their local bar or coffee shop and cutting a handshake deal and it might be for no money but when you move up to the level where you're working with somebody like you guys for booking shows how does it all work um well it's that's a pretty complex question i mean obviously they make money uh from ticket sales and if they're a bar from bar the bar sales and then there's some ancillary income like that we usually don't get involved in at all like uh, sponsorships or uh, they sometimes make a percentage of merch if as a promoter my goal is if i can think if i think the band can, can sell the room out is to see somewhere in the vicinity of 50 percent of the money that's coming through the door that's a very rough number in a in a nightclub, it might be sixty or seventy percent. Is, that, is, that, that, is has, that versus a guarantee on well, top of yeah, a guarantee? I mean, uh, 
every deal is different. So probably 95% of the deals we do, there is a guarantee involved or 90%. Some of the developing bands or some bands that are just very confident in their ability to sell uh, will go in and do straight door deals. But what, you know, so whether it's the guarantee or the guarantee plus a percentage or just a percentage, always I'm, I'm trying to cut a deal that in the end, if the band sells out, they'll walk with approximately 50%. In a, in a union hall, a big theater, it might be 40% in a, because they've got more overhead, you know, in a nightclub where they are making money from the bar and have less overhead, I might be able to get 60 or 70%. But that's sort of the, you know, if somebody comes to me with a deal in a nightclub and they're at they're, the band's going to make 30% of and effectively 30% of the gross, that's a bad deal. Let's just put it that way. Um, you know, and, and I, I think as an artist though, you've got to look at your own situation individually, you know, what are your goals? Like we have, I just cut a, a couple of deals this morning where the manager said to me, I'll take less money, I, I'll, but I want a lower ticket. I want to put bodies in the room. And I thought, wow, how smart is that? Yeah. You know, there are other deals where it's it really is just about the money. You know, it's I mean, I, not that we don't want to have a successful show, but my job, because that band can sell a thousand tickets into the in the market, is to go find the venue that's going to pay us the most money for selling those thousand tickets. So but I, so I think a band has to look at their um their situation individually what are their goals do they want to play as in front of as many people as possible you know are they trying you know some of the young bands they just want bodies because they break even they make sure. money on merch you know they make get a, a 200 dollar guarantee or 100 dollar guarantee to open for somebody and they sell 400 dollars in merch right we, we have a band um one of the indie bands, I don't think I'm talking out of turn here, called Darling Side. It's a 30 Tigers band, Americana, very vocal sort of, I'd call them folk, but they're much more contemporary than that. You know, we put them out just as the record was coming out with Patty Griffith, and they made, you know, just in broad terms, $500 paying, playing with for Patty Griffith and $2,500 a night in merch because they were playing in front of a thousand people. They're really great live. And you know, et cetera. So now when we put them out, there's this whole equation that we work on because we know they can sell merch. So it's, again, every band is different. Is there risk on your side? Is there risk? As an agent, honestly, I have very little risk, meaning that we work for 10% of what the artists make. Um, now, the risk is that when I book... The last time I did the figures, if I book, if the company books a band for under fifteen hundred dollars a night, I lose money. So all of the developing bands, you know, that are making two hundred, five hundred, a thousand dollars a night, in theory, I'm losing money on them. But you know, on a deal by deal basis, not no, we don't we don't lose money. Do you, do you, do, you a, do you think that that fifteen hundred dollars is fairly common for a lot of boutique agencies? I'd say for a mid-level agency. I mean, if you've got a staff, so you're paying other agents, um, and they may be working on commission, but you know it's a split commission. Uh, you've got support staff that you know admins, contract department. So none of them are, you know, nobody from me is is getting rich. I mean, a couple of the people have been with me 20 years and put their kids through college, but but so yeah, that's I'd say it's probably and and frankly i'm probably low because um we've always operated as a virtual company meaning i don't i i don't have offices anywhere all of those 11 people and myself included work from home 
So if I was the same company in Nashville, I'd have to add, you know, 20 or 30 percent for for overhead. So, I mean, I had I mean, in Nashville, my guy has a co-working space, but that, you know, that's for the most part, we don't have hard offices. We don't have those kind of expenses. So I'd almost bet that that number's higher um, at, at other companies. Yeah. What are some of the tactics that you use to put butts in the seats? Because I know that, you know, like Michael and I, part of our job is to is tour support and making sure we get the message out. You know, the number one reason people don't go to your shows typically is they don't know about it. Right. right. And so what are some of the things that you do to kind of uh, bring people in? You know, it's it again, it varies so much instance to instance. But, we, you know, a long time ago, somebody said to me, a great booking is the right band in the right venue on the right night at the right price. <laughs> so, you know, you try and it's it's yeah. simplistic, but you try and look at those four things all of the time and say, you know, does it really fit? And what are my expectations? I mean, I know that if the band's audience is even 30 plus, much less 40 plus years old, that putting them in a city on a Monday or Tuesday night, I've got a lot going against me because these people have to go to work the next day and they care right. about getting eight night, eight hours of sleep. So, you know, that may change if I've got to do it because we're on tour and I've got to do it, then, uh, you know, it changes our expectations. We try and find a smaller room. Um, you know, the band makes less money. You know, the other thing, the other interesting phenomenon with the older bands is that um, there's a is this whole kind of I'll just it's sort of an offshoot of the VIP thing. There are a number of fans for every band that will pay almost anything <laughs> to see the band. And so if you give them a little something extra, first two or three rows, come to sound check, meet and exactly. greet, you know, that changes everything. I, I, I won't name this name, but we had an artist recently. Um, you know, he played a a 300-seater. A, a he only drew 200 seats. I'm sit, I go to see the show, and I'm I'm a little worried. And then the owner of the club says, you know, 170 of those 200 people paid for the VIP. Wow. So because it was just he had 170 people who would have paid almost anything, paid an extra, I think, 40 or 50 bucks to see him. So, you know, the numbers worked out, but again, in an entirely different way. Let, so. Bruce, let me, let me ask you. I mean, there's been seems like a, an ongoing, never-ending, almost battle between promoters and bands. Who's responsible for promoting a show? And, you oh, know, I, and, and, yeah. and, and I, I personally have clients on both sides of the spectrum. I work right. with bands, and I actually have a venue. So I'm, I'm doing marketing for the venue, reaching out to the bands, and I'm, and I'm not going to name names, but I'm still right. hearing from some bands saying it is not our job to promote our show. And, you know, what I would like to know from you as the agent, what are the expectations you and a venue have on an artist? And what expectations can an artist have on their agent and a venue? Right. Yeah. I mean, I like to say to the artists, it's your responsibility. We'd like we'd love to believe that the venue is going to do it, but we I can't guarantee that they're going to do it. So you better just assume it's your job. Now, some of them take that advice seriously and some of them don't, obviously. But but that's that's actually my starting point in a perfect world. And frankly, fascinatingly to me, it can be from the littlest guy to the biggest guy, biggest promoter, you know, from Live Nation to the guy who has to 
you know, uh, uh, load in the beer uh, in this little venue. There are some promoters that I'm that were able to have the conversation beforehand. You know, what are you going to do? And if we can have that conversation, then we can set expectations in advance. And so we try to have that conversation. And we tr- and, and often that conversation, sadly, though, becomes when they're not giving me as much money as I want. And I'm saying, OK, well, you want me to come play for less versus the door. You know, instead of giving me 10,000, you want to give me 6,000 versus the door. Tell me how I'm going to make my 10,000. What are you going to do? And that and then we have those conversations. So. You know, it, it, I like to believe that promoters would promote, but I go into it knowing that many of them will not or not do it very well because they have so many shows. You know, they have a, a good venue might have 10 to 30 shows in a month and how they're going to find the time to um, promote each of them in the individual way that they need to be promoted is um uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, that's an unrealistic expectation. Now I can honestly, t- I mean, one, one of the little things we can know that a promoter is going to be a pr- good promoter is if within a few days of us confirming the date, somebody from their team, uh, reaches out to me with a, a link, a ticketing link, Hey, here's the tickets. And Great. B, they asked me to, um, somehow connect the Facebook page of the band to their to their team. If they're asking me to do if they're giving me those two things so that they can go boost our posts, um, you know, then I know that they're at least thinking about it in an individual way. They're thinking, oh, I want the band to help me and oh, I will help the band. It's but but, uh, you know, there is no easy answer. I mean, what do you guys find? You you, this is what you deal with every day. Do you do you find promoters to be helpful? You know, I'll I'll talk about it from both sides. So from coming from the venue side where I am that person who it's my mm-hmm. responsibility to reach out to the artists. Um, yeah. The first thing I do is I hit up the agent because nine times out of 10, the agent doesn't provide any contact information for the artist. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. always a little disheartening to me, right? From the right. beginning, it's like, okay, right. all right, well, I'll send you an email saying, all right, who's in charge of online marketing right. websites, blah, blah, blah. Right. Uh, sadly, vast majority of the times there's no response it's crickets it's crickets it's crickets and then it's all right now i need to run this up the totem pole because guess what we're on the hook for money we're guaranteeing you guys some money and why aren't you doing your job because as you said we have as a venue we have a number of shows well we have a routine that we'll go through for every single show everybody's Mm going to get the same sort of marketing package Mm -hmm. and we are happy to enhance that based on your excitement to be involved in working with us. If you, if you come back and say, Hey, can we do an Instagram takeover? Can I get you guys some videos to post on your, on your venue page? We're like, Mm -hmm. great. We're running with all of that stuff. Um, But I find a lot of times it's, it's very challenging even to get, a tour date listed on an artist page sometimes right. within yeah. a within a timely manner, meaning, all right, we booked the show three months in advance and you don't add the tour date until we're four weeks out from the show. Yeah. Frustrating. Right. Yeah. Frustrating yeah. for a venue where I can sit back and say, listen, as a venue, when we have our discussions going up to shows and then, after a show, when we sit down and go, okay, how did this show? A lot of times it's like, don't ever bring these guys back. 
Right. They may have put on. They may have put on the best show out there. You know, they may have been the nicest guys to work with in the venue, the most exciting show. But at the end of the day, we as a venue have to make money. Right. And 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 it's a partnership. It's a partnership. That's what it comes down to. It's a team that we want to. We're not expecting the artist to do it solely. And we don't want the artist to expect us to do it solely. We want to work yeah. together. And, and I don't want to have to sit down after a show and tell, tell the, the, the venue's you know, operations manager, you know, these guys were absolute horror to work with. Don't, yeah. I, you know, I, I can't give you my recommendation to bring them back because of that. And yeah. I don't know if bands understand that part of the equation post-show. Mm-hmm that you don't realize those discussions happen after the show. Everybody from the marketing person to the sound man, to the lighting guy, to the, to the ticket guys, to the, to the wait staff, we all sign get together and go, what'd you think? How did it go? Well, they were great. Should we or, have them back? Or they came in demanding this, 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 this above the, above their rider, above, above the, the, what what their requirements were you know that doesn't paint a picture you here let me put it this way you'll come back if you sold out it's very it's very it's very easy to put up with a a difficult to work with band when you're making money when everybody's making money but when you're not making money yeah there's a lot of reasons to say no let's go try somebody different yeah, in my experience, you know, you can't paint anybody with uh, a broad stroke. There are promoters that uh, under-promise and over-deliver. Same on the artist side. It's just so inconsistent, and it's frustrating when you work with someone who, you know, in the words of Todd Snyder, everybody wants the most they can possibly get for the least they can possibly do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, that's not what you need. You need you know, like we mentioned a second ago, it's, it's a partnership. And if you've get the artists involved, we're not talking about a lot of hard work, but just make sure your fans know you're coming to town, you know, whether it's with bands in town, your socials with YouTube and tour announcements, and you're, you've got this voice now and you can speak to your fans, let them know and do everything you can to get your street team, your fans to let people know you're coming to town. And then when you get into town, make sure you're inviting people, you're inviting press, you're talking about it. Um, It's not rocket science, but I think we've all been in those situations where people roll into town and it's like spinal tap. It's like, you know, uh, no one's talking about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, And I, I mean, I can say from, uh, from our end, not to toot our horn, but for what it's worth, we send out, we, we get the marketing contact when we book the date, the assistant is supposed to get that. If it's not on the contract, it's in a, online database that the artists can see. And we mail everybody in the team, including the marketing contact, a what we call a um, um, advanced info sheet that includes who the PR contact is, who you call for interviews. Um, it actually has a paragraph on it for at least for the classic bands about how we promote because you'd be you'd be amazed that they'll forget what the hits are. You know, if you're selling a, a classic band, it's all about those three or four or five hits. And they'll like put their favorite song in the radio ad and forget the five hits. So anyway, we have a little paragraph. So we do all that. We also um, um, have an API where all of our data, all of the dates uh, after the announce date are delivered automatically to Bands in Town and Songkick. 
And all the bands that have been crappy about putting their tour dates up, I make them put the song kicker bands into our widget. And I've got their login, so we can, or my assistant does, so we can actually go in and fix it if it's messed up because occasionally something happens. Got it. But, you know, it's just simple stuff. And I'll say on a venue, and I, I, I've booked a lot of venues over the, over the years. Right now, I book a little nonprofit in Roanoke. I've got a media list that I send out every time I book a date back to management and to the agent and to the manager with a note that says for this band i would do these three things and it takes me one minute but i'm telling them basically here's the roadmap to success if you're this kind of band in roanoke virginia um and you know i i find that more often than not they actually follow it because i've made it so easy for them basically so it's a a a good tactic you know I, i applaud that i wish coming from a venue side even from the artist side, I wish more agents were that proactive. And, and mm-hmm. what I would say as an artist, if, you f- if, if you're listening to this and that doesn't sound like something your agent does, ask them or do it yourself. Right. Do it or yourself. do it yourself, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Because, it's not hard. You know, uh, you, one thing you said is sending out the document with all the contact information. And I've gotten a few of those from some of our acts. But the funny part is, please make sure it's actually accurate. Right. Yeah. Accurate. Yeah. I, I, I had, I had yeah. one artist send it out, and it's like, here's our publicist. And I contacted the publicist. I haven't worked with that band in two years. Right. Oh, well, they've right. got your name listed in their advance right. document. You might want right. to let them know. Um, right. Check the contact page. Trust me. Contact right. pages on websites are the last page bands ever update. Right. But That can have like an old record company. It could have your old agent. That information needs to be accurate because I'm I'm telling you right now as the venue, when I don't hear from somebody, then I have to do the digging myself. Mm -hmm. And I will go to your website. And when I find that information, that's what I go with. And when it's wrong information, it makes the job even more difficult. So, yeah, you know, everything that, that Bruce just outlined there, do yeah. it one way or another. Well, Get it makes it easy it, for people. Or, yeah. Right. It, right? It, it, it only I mean, at the bottom you. line is you were just talking, Michael, you had to do some digging, some work, man. That's great that you did that, but not everybody's going to take the time well, to listen, do that. I, I know. You need to make it as easy for people as humanly possible. There, there, there's definitely well, look, some got, venue. Got, I was going to say there's got definitely. You've 30 minutes in, go, go in that afternoon to promote, sorry, to promote that date. You've got 30 minutes that you've devoted to promote that date. If you have to spend 20 minutes finding the right person to talk to, that means you have 10 minutes to promote that date. So yeah. it's there. You know, there are only so many hours in the day, and and uh, it's important we do that. I'm curious from your guys' point of view. We we like to we we force some quite frequently heavy touring bands who are let's say between records or you know et cetera or some of the older bands to have a tour publicist. Honestly, because it, and and I've got a cadre of them that will work per show so that they don't have to put them on a $4,000 a month retainer or sure. whatever. It is. So I, I, and I mean, I, my gut says that's money well spent. Do you, do you agree with that? I, I think it is. I let yeah. Michael speak for himself, but I encourage it. I see the results of it. Some people overlook it. They don't want to spend the money and I get it. You know, it is money. It's expensive, but man, oh man, it comes back to that thing we mentioned earlier. If people don't know you're coming to town and these publicists have relationships, you know, with online, offline, all sorts of different things where they can get more people to know about you coming to town. I'm, I'm a big proponent of it. 
you know, and uh, what what I would add is that's a professional person who knows how to get the job done. So, yes, you may not be able to afford that person on retainer exclusively to you, but if through your agency you can get a break that they can help you out, right. it's huge because I also wanted to bring up um, the number one red flag that comes, and, and I don't want this because I know it's a DIY world and people can't afford their own teams, but you have to think about how you're being presented and the perception. And mm -hmm. and the number one red flag that I get is when I finally get in touch with the band's marketing person, I find out it's the lead guitarist in the band, or I find <laughs> out it's the tour merch person, or I find right, out girlfriend. it's the road manager. And that's right. instantly a red flag, not because they aren't necessarily capable because they have much more important roles that they need to right. do before they worry about Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, yeah. let's cut a promotional video. They, yeah. you know, if, if it's the road manager, good, we all know road managers have a million things to do. And the last thing mm -hmm. they're going to worry about is a post on Facebook. Right. So if you have a tour publicist or just a marketing person that can help you in a part-time capacity stuff will get done and it'll get done right. professionally it'll get done fast it'll get done efficiently and and as a as a artist or venue that's that's just that, that, that yeah. that's just very comforting to know that you have somebody who you can call who you don't have to sit here and explain what is bands in town right yeah and I, I bet you actually get more out of the venue when um, when you have a professional person, like one of the things I had to t to uh, push these tour marketers for was to make a contact immediately. When you get like we send out to the, to the same itinerary that goes to the manager every week goes to the tour marketer without uh, money, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and I and I took me the longest time to to get them to learn that when they see that I want them to reach out one time, just one time, even if the date's five months away, and just say, here I am. Do you have the photo and logo that you need? That's all. Then you can leave them alone to whatever your, unless they call you, to whatever your cycle is that you do things, you know, six weeks out as a tour market or whatever. But I, we found that just simply doing that, everybody took it more seriously. You know, yeah, it's like the manager sense. who calls you as a, as the marketer once a week and the manager that calls you once a month you know you're it's it's not that one is you know yells louder it's that you get that they're committed so you are more committed to them and i think that when a band has a tour marketer you know as you're suggesting or a team around them you know everybody reacts a little differently and everybody says well they're serious i better be serious right too. I agree with that. And I think that a tour marketer does some things that people don't think about sometimes. When you think about, like, say, radio promotion, you think of a guy going in and getting your song added to a radio station. But there's so many other things, like on tour support, when you roll into a market, making yourself available for an interview or an on air right. performance or, you know, just having those conversations, the people at those radio stations. You know, a lot of times they're looking for, I'll, I hate using the word, but they're looking for content. You know, right. they're, they want something for their audiences. And I've seen this time and time again from some of the people who are very good at having a tour support point is that they make sure they develop these relationships with these tour markets. 
And even if you don't have a great PR person, just rolling in and working with the local radio stations can pay dividends and put butts in the seats. Yeah. I'd also suggest that um, a lot of our acts we've developed, uh, I'll, I'll call them tricks, but but let's just say they're, they're little, you know, like uh, uh, three or four of them that the band, I, the manager or the tour marketer can okay, if, if we're getting something in return, i.e. a promotion, can okay a, a signed Fender guitar. Mm-hmm. Now, in essence, honestly, I've got an account on Amazon Prime and they caught the acoustic Fender costs $122 shipped second day air. And we split the cost of it because for $42 a piece or whatever the hell it is, we can make that radio station happy. And when the yeah. band gets to town, we ship That's them a great idea. to the venue. When the band gets to town, they sign them. They give them away to somebody on stage. And everybody's excited for, for $122, you know. Um, uh, you know, we've got we have this theater level Pink Floyd band that has learned that every morning DJ has uh, called the machine. They're in the East Coast. They've learned that every morning DJ probably played an instrument at one point in their life. So we figure out what DJ the idiot played. Sorry, the DJ played <laughs> and, and we put them on and they put them on stage, you know, playing that instrument for yeah. one song. And trust me, you cannot find I've seen the- it. Yeah. But he's so excited all week long. I'm going to be on stage, you know? So it's just, you know, if you, I think as a marketer, if you develop those little things geared to the live show, geared putting people in the seats to, to promoting the live show, uh, you know, you can use them over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say, you you just need to develop um, a a toolbox, so to speak of, of yeah. easy to roll out things that will work for 90% of the shows and the acts that are out there. Everybody can and use- And they don't have to be expensive, right? They don't have to right. be expensive. They could be a, one of those paid meet and greets that you were talking about. Yeah. You know, that didn't really cost them uh, hard dollars. You could give away a couple of those on a station and have their winners come down and get to, you know, have dinner with a band or get their picture taken with the band or do the paid meet and greet thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and it's yeah. it's- Keep in mind that as much as we might be talking about how artists don't have a full team, many venues don't have full teams either. A lot of venues can't have a dedicated online marketing person like I am for this one venue. A lot of them, the owner does everything or, you know, the bartender helps, you know, on stuff or whoever happens to be good Mm -hmm. at running a Facebook page is doing it. So. It, assume that the venue is understaffed as well, and if you can walk into the venue and give them a ready-to-use toolkit above and beyond the basics. Yeah, that's a good like, point. Hey, Makes their life I've easier. I've already recorded a promotional video for you plugging this show. Here's the MP4 file. Use it. Don't get pissed right. if the venue doesn't use it. That's not. Hopefully they will realize the value of it. But just give it to them because I sort of sit here and also look at all of this as, like you said, if you pick up the phone and make a call right away, you've basically put it on the venue now. It's if right. if nothing happens from that point to show date, the venue can't say, well, we never heard from you. Right. Yes, you exactly did. Exactly right. Yeah. You yep. don't want to, as a band, you don't want to be in the position of the venue to say, your show bombed, we're screwing you, and you never bothered to call us. You know, basically that gives the venue all the ammunition in the world, and you're going to kind of walk out of there with a tail between your legs going, well, you know, we didn't call. 
No, don't right. put yourself in that position. Put it on the venue. And, right. and the same for the venues out there. You call and you contact the artist right away because if mm-hmm. the artist shows up and complains that the show was half full, you can sit here and go, here's six emails I sent to everybody on your contact list and nobody ever bothered to reply. Right. Do you? What else do you guys do? I mean, do you, are you guys doing Facebook boosts? I mean, what is it? Yeah. What do you think actually works? I mean, we, that's we've, always the we've found I love um, great success in bands in town promoted posts. Yeah. But, you uh, know the, the, pay, the paid the, ones. The, the paid the ones. ones. The yeah. Paid, yeah. The paid. The paid the, yeah. Because the paid you can target ones. your right. artists and like competitive. And you mentioned you know, boosting Facebook. Yeah. Uh, the the Facebook thing, I believe, works. I've seen it work. Um, I mean, it's really the only way you're going to rise above the clutter, right, is, is to kind of focus. Plus, I love the fact that it's so, you know, targeted. You can go after a certain demo, a certain market, a certain fan. And, and I also like bringing in uh, mail lists. You know, like if, uh, one of my clients has a huge MailChimp list, mm-hmm. and I can just use their new feature where it just pops it right into Facebook and I can either find, you know, a like audience or I can go oh, okay. right after their audience. And that's been, you get a super high open rate and click through rate from those kinds of things. Uh, it's it, This whole tour analytics thing is something I've been just trying to play with. Um, and I, and I really think it's the future. So being able to compare, you know, who you know, where your Facebook friends are and know where your email list is obviously something we've always been able to do but now you can look at where spotify uh yep. you know listeners are you can look at where and your listeners are and you even know, youtube youtube yep. has a really yep. great youtube for artists where you exactly. can see some of that data yeah so I, I mean we're starting to figure out how to nobody unfortunately because next big sound is owned by pandora they don't grab all of, get up grab all the data so i'm trying to find the right dashboard i don't know if you guys are using anything that pulls all that data together from the location-based services because that's what i'm looking for instead of having to go into a spreadsheet and say oh i've got 2400 youtube fans in cleveland and i've got 300 i mean you know i'd like to be able to look at that yeah you know you're you're right one dashboard would be nice i haven't found one and 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 i think um you know artists need to assume very, very few venues are ever going to have the time to go to that level of analyzing data to promote your show. And uh, as much as it, we know it's valuable data, there's just not the time to do it. Yeah. So, right, but I think I, I think from a booking point of view and therefore a marketing point of view, and there's from the artist from end, the artist point of view, valuable. they should they like, should know that. Right, like and this Zoe Keating started doing this years ago, just based on her iTunes data. She yeah. would say she'd be on tour the Midwest, and she'd say, "Well, I see I've got two days off. I've never played Akron or Cincinnati. I'm not, I, and and I've sold blah 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 downloads in Akron and Cincinnati. Let's go see which venue is going to do it." And then she would sometimes post a, a poll on Facebook and you know whatever and say, come on fans, you want me in Akron or Cincinnati? And whoever got the most votes, we'd go in and play a door deal and she'd sell 400 tickets because she That's knew hard. she had sold enough tickets. And because this asking the fan business, she'd actually got some buzz going in advance. So that's it, smart. It, you know, it, that's yeah. the kind of stuff you, I wish. You, you, you I know wish what? All, all of that is great, but all of that, um, relies on you being active and engaging and having somebody maybe not the band but somebody 
who can deal with your your social networks and the analytics from your social networks on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And I, and yeah. and you know, I, at the end of the day, yeah. I found that yeah, we could we could boost posts, we can we can do bands in town promoted posts, but if if as a venue or as an artist working with a venue, if we can come up with a reason that every day, once a week between now and show date, we have a reason to talk about that show online, it's going to sell tickets. Just give us yeah, the, 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 the team to work together to talk about this show. It can be as simple yeah. as a countdown photo meme that says, hey, Akron, 30 days until we hit town. Have you got your tickets yet? Mm-hmm. Here's the link to buy your tickets. And then you don't have to post anything for another week. But mm-hmm. when the challenge is just getting something posted, period, just getting that very initial date announcement posted, it's, it's you know, very few artists come to me as a marketer and are the dream artist where it's like, oh, my God, you're going to give give me everything. Yeah, I would just add to this discussion that there are two places I go for for data. Um, one is chart metric and the other one is buzz angle. And I use those two every single day and they break it down, especially buzz angle on, you know, by market, by stream, by download, by physical okay. sale, all of that stuff. And I can do it from a certain time period. I can do an aggregate thing. And then I pull that data and I'll make charts and graphs and really look at the data and see what it means. Because as Michael mentioned earlier, you don't have to pay for Buzz Angle or Nielsen or SoundScan or whatever, but that's a different level, right? You can pull a lot of this info from the insights, fan insights from Spotify and YouTube and Facebook and all of that stuff, but it takes somebody who's going to roll up their sleeves and spend a little time to do it. Right. I guess from our point of view, if we can route a tour, like, you know, to me, the dream booking is I know there are already fans there and we're going to go make them happy by playing. So anytime I can know that, um, you know, with any degree of (laughs) certainty, I'm that's an exciting thing. And that's kind of, you know, one of the things we're trying to get to. And I think for from a band's point of view, it's called, you know, where do you want to spend your time and resources? Well, you want to spend it taking the 100 fans and making 300 fans not trying to not a lot easier to do that than it is to take the two fans and make them 300 fans right. you know i i would end this this conversation by saying you just don't want to fight the venue and a promoter because they're all we're all in the same thing together venues exactly. and promoters actually do like bands they like music they want you to succeed because if you succeed, they succeed. That's right. So don't right. don't 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 point them out to be the enemy, the evil. Work with them. Work with them. That it right. you know even the littlest bit of cooperation is going to give you success for your show, or at least give you the opportunity to get a second show where you can prove to build upon that first show. I, I also the the third hat I wear is I teach at Berkeley for Berkeley Online, and I'm right now I'm teach I'm writing a course for them in grassroots touring, so that, that'll happen in the fall. But we I like to say to the music business 101 kids, go ask the venue, say, say and say it exactly this way, I'd like to know what you're going to do to promote so that I can do all of the other things that you're not you don't yeah. have time to do, you know, or something like that. Where you're basically yeah. saying. I want to help. So just tell me what you're doing so we don't redouble our efforts so that we work hand in hand. And just by saying that, A, you learn 
what they're going to do and not going to do. So your expectations are realistic. And and you've said to somebody, I'm willing to work and which is which throws down the gauntlet for gauntlet for them to work as well. So yeah. I think that's Bruce, that's I, Bruce I think we need we need to have a, a, a follow up return to this because this is just yeah, such a great a, conversation. This is a Bruce. great conversation that applies to everybody at every level. OK. Well, that's great. Well, this is fun. I, I enjoy this. This is the stuff I live and breathe every day, and I, you do too. So yeah, great stuff. it's exciting, exciting it. to talk about it. Awesome. Always great talking to you, Bruce. Bruce. All right. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you, gentlemen. Take care. All right. Peace Bye, out. everybody. <laughs> Just uh, I'm going to wrap this one up solo. Jay had to take a client call. So awesome conversation with Bruce. I love love getting his insights because he comes from the side of a booking agent, and that information is so helpful. Um, you know, and I just really do want to stress, this isn't a battle, venues versus artists. We're, we're trying to work together because everybody wants to succeed and do more shows. There's nothing a venue loves better than a sold-out show, and there's nothing an artist loves than a, a, a venue filled with people. So don't take it the wrong way if you feel like we're pointing fingers or picking on anybody. There's a lot of really good information there for both sides of this. It's a team effort. Everybody's got to work together. Um, and and Bruce just gave us a lot of great insight from somebody who's in it in the trenches every day. I want to remind everybody, Music Biz Weekly Podcast is presented by HypeBot. Huge shout out and thank you to Bruce for um, getting behind the show. And before I wrap up, I want to give you guys one more you need help with your online strategy for this week. We'll make this one short and sweet. If you click the link on any of the tabs on your Facebook page and they return an empty page or a page to configure the setup, you need help with your online strategy. And what that means, just make sure everything's working on your Facebook page. If you've installed an app, if you've installed bands in town to do tour dates, make sure you've actually configured it and it's displaying tour dates. If you've, dis if you've installed an app to sell music on iTunes, make sure you've configured it properly. From a presentation standpoint, nothing worse than somebody coming to visit your page to check you out and finding an app that doesn't work, that needs to be configured. Here's a good one. Band page no longer works. I know a lot of you used to use band page. If it's still installed, remove it. Does not work any longer now that YouTube purchased it. It just doesn't look good to keep it there. So take that little bit of advice. Go check your Facebook page. Make sure everything works. That's it. Music Biz Weekly Podcast. We're out of here until next week.